Welcome to the E-Professor Real Estate Podcast. My name is Justin Lethby and I'm a realtor, trainer, and coach. My sole purpose here is to take my many years in real estate as well as my even many more years as a trainer and get you to your goals and beyond. I'm going to do this by talking about business, growth development, branding, marketing, you know, basically all successful things that entrepreneurs are doing today. And hey, since I'm your tech guy, there's going to be tech thrown in here as well. So let's go. As some of you may or may not know, I am a CE instructor for real estate. I have been a technology instructor for many, 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 many years, and I coach uh, small businesses to help them kind of get started, to get to that next step, things like that. And when I'm teaching CE specifically, one of my favorite things to do for real estate agents is to ask just one simple question. And that simple question is this. In ethics, we are told that we have a responsibility to make sure we keep our clients' information confidential. So let me ask you this. How confident are you that you are keeping your clients' information confidential? And of course, as they all do, and as they all are very excited to do, they raise their hand or they shake their head in affirmation and they are great. And all I do is give a little smirk and I say, hey, great, let's think about that while we take our break. (laughs) and it's fun for me to do this, and I love doing this question because I do it for two reasons. As a trainer, I love to have them kind of stew on that question a little bit. You know, it's going to kind of eat at them a little bit. Why do you ask that question? That's too obvious, right? It's just going to kind of sit there and kind kind of gnaw at them. And two, I am the technology trainer. I am the big old nerd room. I am the one that knows why it works and how it works rather than it just does work. Now, I don't necessarily need to know that, but it's just who I am. It's just, it's it. things come really, really easy to me as far as understanding the tech, right? And I've done it for a while, so that's what I do. I teach technology for over 20 years of my life. And it's fun for me to help watch the light bulb moment, right? It's so much fun to watch that happen. And so with all that being said, getting back to the question, I always ask that question, how confident are you that you're keeping your client's information confidential? So I want to ask you that. I want to ask you there who's listening, how confident are you that you are keeping your client's information confident? And I'm going to just pause here for a quick few seconds, nothing long, and I want you to think about it. Okay. Now, here's the thing. You all just shook your head yes. I know if you're driving, you shook your head yes. You might have raised your hand, but you're confident, and you should be, and I'm hoping you are. But I might lose you a little bit. That confidence might wane just a little bit here (laughs) with me asking just some very basic questions. One, how many of you have a printer, a scanner, a all-in-one at home, 
And even better, how many of you in your office use what is called a biz hub? Now, those biz hubs are those big, gigantic printers, copiers that do everything for you, right? They're linked to your network. They come out and send information to you, right? Or you send information to it, right? So you can send your files to be printed. You can um, scan a document right from there. You can do all that stuff. And it's actually really quite fascinating. And But here's the trick and here's the, the weakness of the whole thing. And that weakness is all of these printers since basically early 2000, I think 2002 is when it's been said, but I think it was even earlier than that, is all of these printers have hard drives, the ones you have at home. And the ones you use in your office, they all have hard drives. Because what's really happening when you have this is all these machines, they're not scanning. Well, they are scanning. They're not copying. And when they print, they're not printing from your computer. They're putting it into the hard drive and pulling it from the hard drive up to print. That's why some of that buffering and some of that stuff takes so long because it's got to get queued up. And when you copy, you're not copying. You're not copying like those old mimeographs, right? You're not throwing a tumbler around and it's making a replica. It's literally scanning the image, putting it on the hard drive, and then printing it. That's what it's doing. So all these confidential documents that are you're sending to your printer, that you're sending to the BizHub, they all have copies in there. And we're going to talk about the weakness of hard drives in a little bit later, but these are weaknesses. And just to give you an idea, in 2010, Affinity Health Plan had to pay $1.2 million in penalty after it exposed more than 30,000 personal medical records by failing to erase them from copier hard drives before returning them to the leasing company. So all that financial data was there. Identity theft was available to be taken. It was there. Done. And this is what's happening, right? People are taking those hard drives out and using them for nefarious effects. Two, my next question I typically like to ask is, when we're all at the closing table, what is the biggest thing we fear? And usually people kind of give me a bunch of answers, but the answer I'm looking for is wire fraud. We're all scared of wire fraud at this particular point, right? We're afraid that it won't fund. And the reason we're afraid it won't fund is because what people have done is they have gone into your email. Your email has been hacked and people are coming out there and reading the emails, what's called sniffing the emails, and they're looking for key terms, key things. When they find that stuff, then they come out and they send an email telling you that the information has changed. We are now doing it this way, right? Or we're doing it through this wire number, right? We're doing it differently. And it looks official. It looks like it's coming from the institution it's supposed to come from, the bank, the title, whatever it is, right? It looks like it's coming from the right institution. But when you change your information and you just hit the link and do what you're supposed to do, your money's gone. It is done. And it's while it's not impossible, it is near impossible to get that money back. So just think about it this way. The other way I ask that question is how much 
confidential information are you handling via email? And for most of it, it's a lot. The next question I love to ask is, tell me what you think is the riskiest place in public to do your work from. (laughs) And this is kind of a setup question because we all hear it a lot. The most common answer is coffee shops. And while that's number two, airports are number one. And the real answer is I'm actually going for number two. The answer is I am actually shooting for the coffee shops. Coffee shops are dangerous. Starbucks is what's very, very crazy. It's called the man in the middle attack. So what they do in these places, now don't get me wrong, the next the next one that's really high up there today is hotels. So just be careful about that as well. When you're doing live from a hotel, it can be very, very dangerous. But <laughs> anyways, getting back to what I was saying, it's called the man in the middle attack. And when you do this, what you're doing is when you log in to Starbucks or what looks like Starbucks, it's actually not Starbucks. They have linked to Starbucks and you click on that link and now you're accessed, but you have gone through their system before it goes to the internet. You got that. So there again is what's called sniffing. They're looking for key things you're doing, search terms you're doing, places you're going, card numbers that you may or may not put in the system, right? They are looking for that information out there. They are looking to take all the valuable information they can do. So just beware. And I'm going to, again, I'm telling you all these right now at the end of this, I'm going to give you a series of tips because I'm going to do all these things. I'm probably going to make you a little bit nervous. That's not my intent. My intent is to make you aware, but I'm probably, I'm going to make you a little bit nervous. And what I want you to do is tell you, I don't get nervous and everything I'm telling you what you shouldn't do. I do do because I have put protocols in place and steps in place to make sure things can't happen. For instance, I will do work from Starbucks. I will handle things straight from there. Now, if it's extremely confidential, no, it will never happen from that way. But you know, depending on the level, I will definitely handle there and I do it without worry. I do it without any nervousness. I do it with various, various things that are out there. How many of you pay at the pump? So when you pay for gas, do you pay it at the pump? Now, while this one isn't as big, it is fastly becoming a very quick, big issue. It is what's called skimming that's going on. And what happens in this environment is when you put your card in, there's a small little, I don't even know, couple millimeter thick reader that goes in that slot. Now, what used to happen is it used to go over the card reader. And it would look natural. It would just go over the card reader. It used to happen a long, long time ago in ATM machines. They have gotten much, much more sophisticated. Now it's literally just a small film that goes in there. And when you do this, what's happening is they're recording the information. And if you are one of those people that type the pin, even better, because now they got your pin. And what happens then is they go to other places and they will buy online and just buy away. They'll buy shoes. They'll buy items or buy whatever. And usually what they do very early on is they don't do a huge charge. They kind of do a test charge to see if how much luck they're going to have with it. And if it goes through and they don't get hit, then they go to town. Some just go to town. So don't get, don't get too happy, excited that it's only one hit and you can have that again, protect yourself to go against. 
And the reason I'm mentioning this versus the others, I do like this question. The reason I ask this question is very simply because of one thing. And that one thing is, while this isn't huge, most banks, especially if you're using credit cards, are going to eat those costs. You have to take time to manage this problem, right? So instead of dealing with your transaction, instead of finding new clients, you have to manage this. becomes a pain. Take it from me, my card has been hacked a couple times. It doesn't happen too often for me, and I'm trying to figure out what's going on because this is a, it's definitely new what's happening for me. That For me, it's a business card, and it will take a week for to get my business card. Well, everybody that I utilize for my business wants to get paid when they want to get paid. They don't want to wait for my card to come in. So it becomes a little bit of a challenge, and you don't want to lose that time in doing this. And my last fun question I love to ask for people is how many of you like to carry a charge cord with you and then pub and then plug those in to public chargers to charge your phone, right? We're all in the smartphone era. Uh, to be honest with you, side note, I don't like the word smartphone. I just rather call it our smart device. <laughs> it does so much more than just making calls. It's not smart. It's not predicting who you should call. It's doing so much more than that. But you have your smartphone on you and most phones these days if we're doing any sort of effort of work, basically via our mobile device, will definitely not last us all day. And if you're at a conference, which isn't happening right now, but if you're at a conference, you're going to need to charge it, right? You're going to need to do some things. And, that go, and when I'm talking smartphones, I'm talking all smart devices, tablets, phones, computers, whatever they are. They're going to do that because more and more of these are starting to use mobile charging cords to charge by. <laughs> so what I want you guys to do is just think about it right now in your head, how often are you going to a restaurant and using their charging outlets? How often are you going to a bar and using their charging outlets? Going to a coffee shop, using their charging outlets? Going to a conference, using their charging outlets, right? How often are you doing this? If it is more than one time, it is too many times. And the reason I say that is here's what's happening. Your cord is not a power-only cord. Your cord is a power and data cord. So when you're doing this, people can then, when you're charging via that system, can pull information from you. Right? They can take all the information from your phone. So unless you have your phone encrypted, they're having access to your information on your phone. And, and oh yeah, by the way, this also works in reverse. <laughs> so if you're in my favorite place, because this happened to me one time. And I didn't jump. I didn't say yes. They probably thought I was rude, but I don't personally just say yes to this in that regard. Is there was a lady that came up to me and had a BlackBerry phone. Now, in of itself, that's probably not an odd thing because many of us that are listening today probably had a BlackBerry phone at one point in time because it was a great tool. It had a lot of functionality. It was easy to type. There was a lot of good in there. But this was when Blackberries were there, but I would say definitely not popular. But what made Blackberries popular, what made me nervous was it's really a built-in computer. Now, all our smartphones are built-in computer, but that definitely was. And there was hacks that could be done at that point in time that would let people pull information from someone else's computer as long as they hooked it up to it. So the lady wanted me, she had a cord, she wanted me to hook it up to my computer so it could charge for five minutes. Well, I told her no. <laughs> I said, but I don't have it, but I do have this. I have a little portable battery. Why don't you use that? She sat around for two minutes, 
maybe five tops and said, thanks, it's not working. I'll try something else. Well, I guarantee you one thing, folks, <laughs> it was working. My charger works and it's always the best charger out there on the line. So I know it fits with all phones because I don't mind lending that out to people. I actually prefer lending that out to people to help them out in time of needs. I think it's great to do. And the last question I ask, and this is kind of in joke, but I ask to set the stage for what I'm going to do next. And the last question I always ask is, is your password Mickey Mouse 123? Or is your password password? And again, what happens in that situation is I do get a big set of chuckles. I get really big laughs out of it because it's such an inane question. But then I do dive a little bit deeper. And that deeper goes to this. How many of you use the same password for multiple accounts? How many of you that don't even do that have a log somewhere or a cheat sheet where someone can read like a little piece of tape, piece of paper on the left side of the computer with all their passwords. These are all breaches in security. These are all hacks that are out there. These are all things that are going to make life a little more challenging for us that will make things harder for us and do our job. Now, <laughs> I'm going to tell you, here's what happens. Here's what happens with this. All the smiling faces, what I did before break, are not, they're not pissed. They're not even depressed, but the frown, the smiles have gone to that concerned look, right? That, that furrowed eyebrow look, right? They're just starting to think, Oh, geez, what have I done? How much risk am I at? They're doing all these things and they're getting probably a little nervous. And that, I'll be honest with you, that is absolutely the intent. The intent of those questions are to make you nervous, not to make you stop, but to make you nervous because I want you to think about what's going on. And here's what I'm going to tell them. And here's what I tell you. Don't worry. Can you be hacked? Sure. Will you be hacked? Maybe. Some of the biggest companies out there have been hacked. I don't know if you paid attention, but Barbara Corcoran, the Barbara Corcoran from the Shark Talk, the Shark Tank folks, they got hacked early this year for over $400 million. Now, that was a different style of hack. Now, the questions I asked you got hacked. It was really social engineering. It was really pretty easy. They just social engineered. I think there's a little bit of email hacking going on there. They haven't disclosed that, but the story kind of leads that way. Um, many companies have lost identities. There was another real estate brokerage that had an email leak out because their account information was hacked that told everybody around them, their agent splits, their profit margins, things like that. It had a big financial disclosure essentially going on. Really big hacks. Um, I would say easily since the beginning of the year, there probably has been you know half a million to a million dollars just in real estate business alone of financial hacks that have happened. Very, very easy to do. So again, it's not to scare you. It's to let you know what's going on to protect you from these potential pitfalls. So let's talk about those tips. Let's kind of walk through and deal with these things. So the first one I'm going to talk about is the first question is the biz hub. Well, now remember, those have hard drives. So have a plan for those hard drives. Are you taking them out before you give the biz hub back? Are you going to find some way to erase it? Are you going to destroy the hard drive? Right? What are you going to do? I know of people, I'm definitely, definitely, definitely not suggesting this, but have basically tried to put acid 
into the hard drive. I know people that have tried to drill holes in hard drives. Be careful with that. You're going to lose drill bits on that one. But you got to do what you got to do. Keep them in historical perspective. If you want to keep them, do what you need to do. But don't just throw them to the trash. Just don't give them away because that's where you make yourself vulnerable. If you don't own the printer, right? So if you are doing the BizHub route, those big, gigantic machines from, you know, Kanika, Minolta, things like that, and you're leasing it from a company, know their leasing policy. What are they doing with those hard drives? How are they erasing the information? And by the way, if it is, and we're talking about this a little bit here just next, really, if it is a... If it is a delete all, that is not the company you want to lease from. Or at the very least, you need to be able to have solutions out there to do that. Now, you may not be the person for that. You may have to hire someone that does this, and that's going to be completely okay. It is much better to spend a couple hundred bucks on that than to spend a couple hundred months trying to figure out how to get your identity back or your client's identity back or whatever it is. There's lawsuits that happen all the time and lots of financial loss that happens Versus that. Two, your old devices, your old phones, those type of things that exist out there. How are you getting rid of them? I know most of us want to make sure that they trade them back into the carrier because the carrier will rebate you or give you a discount for your next phone. And, you know, there's some definitely value for that situation. But understand when you do that, understand what their policy is about removing that. Again, just like everything else, hard drives are there. And that also means your laptops, your netbooks, your tablets, all these things have hard drives. And again, just so you know, we just got done talking about deleting them. You need to have a delete plan. So either keep them. Some of them I have kept because I'll use them again for other things. So I'll keep them. Two, you will have other solutions out there that you can use, such as there's an, uh, a software called KillDisk. And I love KillDisk. Now, there's other ones very similar to that, and there's all good ones that exist out there. It's just one I've used the longest. Kill Disk is really, really nice because when you do this, it deletes everything. Now, it's really not deleting here, folks. Now, here's a little bit of nerdum that I'll talk about, but I'm going to talk about very, very basically. And if you understand it, great. If you don't, don't worry about it. I just want you to understand. When you delete a file from your computer, the first thing that happens when you delete a file from the computer, it actually goes from... Um, where you can visibly see it, to the trash the trash bin. And so if you don't empty your trash bin, it's not gone. It's still findable. It's still usable, right? And a lot of people do that because they delete it and go, I don't know if I need it yet or not, so we're going to keep it. You know, have like a 30-day plan, and that's fine. That way, if they need to come back, they can still find it. But once you decide you go to the trash bin and empty all, that is actually not deleting the files. Most Hard drives are built on what's called an FAT, file allocation table. It's essentially your table of contents. This table of contents is a pointer to where all the files are. And when you delete, all you are technically doing is deleting that pointer. So if you have someone with any kind of sophisticated software, they can go back to your hard drive and find what was quote unquote deleted. So what kill disk it does, and what happens, by the way, once you have removed the, the pointer, then it allows for the computer to write over the top, which is then what could erase it. So what kill disk does, and many of these programs do, is they will spend 
several hours on the computer. And all they do is erase all right over the top, erase all right over the top, erase all right over the top. And they'll do that so many times that essentially there will be no way to physically read all of it. It'd be kind of like doing several crisscross shredding on a file, right? It would pretty much be gone. You couldn't do it. So it's just kind of how you want to think about that. And then here's the other thing, and I didn't mention this. Always have a backup somewhere, and I would have it encrypted. Either pay for a service, right? I like Carbonite. That's my favorite backup service. There's many of them out there, tons of them. A lot of small town companies will do this for you, and that's maybe one of the stronger solutions. But have some sort of solution, because what also happens when people, if they actually get into the computer, they'll do what's called ransomware. And that ransomware will then, they'll hijack your computer. And that's one of the favorite things to do right now. They'll hijack your computer and not make it accessible to you until you pay them $250, $2,500, whatever it is. So if you have a backup somewhere, you don't lose anything, you now have an out. You could basically erase the computer, reset it, and put your stuff back on and you're good to go. So I don't worry about ransomware myself personally. That's why I didn't mention this in the topics because I do have a backup in cloud. Make sure you have that. More tips. Your computer. I recommend you clean it at least yearly. Really, to be honest with you, twice a year. Most outfits, especially if you can find a local company, have a real reasonable cleanup offer solution. Like I have a guy locally to me that charges just short of 70 bucks to get it done. So for me, for 150 bucks for two times a year, I feel confident. It takes them about a day, day and a half to get it all done, depending on how busy they are. Make it done. Now, when I'm talking to you to clean your computer yearly, you can do it yourself if you feel so sophisticated. I am talking not your neighbor's kids, unless that's what they do for a living. You're going to want to do things along that way. If you feel so the need, have an antivirus. It's always a good thing to do. If you have that antivirus, it will make life easier for you. It'll protect you. Now, just understand with most bugs and things out there, the challenge you have with antivirus is like most things that are trying to do protection, it will protect you only after the virus has been discovered. So you're not safe. Again, this is not a way of saying you're invulnerable. It makes you more invulnerable, but it doesn't make you completely protected. Antivirus only can protect what it knows to protect against. And to be honest with you, most computers these days already have one built in. So it's usually don't have to worry about that, but they're there. On all your devices and on all your accounts, have what's considered a two-factor authentication. So what this is, is password, right? You run a one level of doing it. Two-factor authentication is basically you have to give two factors of who you are to say you are who you are. One of the best ways to do this is, um, is a password, what almost everything is built around. But two, having another solution. Sometimes it's having a series of codes and a piece of paper that you keep on you. What I do is usually have my phone as a second factor of authentication. So they will send a code to my phone and then it will let me type that code in and I can get in and I'm good to go. Your passwords is another part of this. And please make sure your passwords are strong. Again, not Mickey Mouse, one, two, three, not password, not one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, not one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, right? Should be complicated. Should have something that's out. The challenge here I get is that... (laughs) that you got to remember all these passwords. And I, trust me, understand to a T how much of a challenge that is. But here's what I'm going to tell you. Then get a password keeper, right? There are several online solutions that are available. OnePass, 
um, is one of them. But my favorite, I'll be honest, I like I like LastPass. I think LastPass is a really strong tool for this. I think it has a lot of power. I think it has a lot of really strong abilities to get things done. It keeps all your passwords. All you have to do is remember one master password. And you have to remember it because for the most part, I think even though I think they're getting ready to change it a little bit, LastPass does not have a I forgot my password solution. And the last tip I'm going to tell you is don't assume you're safe. And I'm not last tip, just last tip in this category. Don't assume you're safe just because you have a Mac. Forbes article came out this year, I think it was in February, came out that Macs are are being under attack two to one versus PC. So they're being attacked two more times. There's more times that they're being hacked twice as much as an IBM, as a PC. So don't assume that. And I'll be honest with you, it's, you know, Macs are great. I have no problem with Macs. And people bought them because, quote unquote, they're more secure. Well, way back in the day, they have never, 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 never been more secure. What they have been is less desirable to be hacked. IBM was about an 80 to 20 for a very, very long time. Well, that number is growing up. More and more people want like the Macs. They like the experience. They, you know, Macs do a great job excelling the experience. So people buy it for the experience and, you know, they'll buy it for the safety. They're not more safe. So just understand that. I'm not saying don't buy Macs. I'm saying don't buy it under the assumption that you're safe just because you have a Mac. On the email front, some tips for you here. I would say always assume this. If you're not, if your email hasn't been hacked, the other party has been hacked. That's how you want to assume the conversation. It's not quite that bad, but it's pretty close. You want to think just along those lines to have that out there. And if you need to have conversations and emails, the only way of doing it, find encryption tools, right? There are plenty of email-based encryption tools. I don't have anyone to recommend here, and I apologize for that, but I really don't like any of them. And I'll be honest with you, I don't use them. I don't use them because if I want to have a peer-to-peer protected conversation with my clients, I'm not doing it through email anyways. I'm going to do it through an app called WhatsApp. There are plenty of apps, messaging tools that will do this for you, Um Telephone, I think, is one of them. There are a ton of them that are out there. Telegraph. But I use WhatsApp. WhatsApp I like. So that's it's protected. It's a peer-to-peer encryption tool. As far as your phone goes, here's the biggest tip I'm going to give you for your phone. Don't charge in public. <laughs> Have other solutions for you in there. I always carry a portable battery. You can go on Amazon and buy them extremely cheap. They'll get you out there, right? Have those situations out there. The other thing that you can do is you can buy a plug. You can go to Amazon and just say power only charging cord or phone, and you're going to find solutions out there that have only power to them for your phone type, and it'll be available to you. And it's just that simple. And last but not least, we're going to talk about the man in the middle attack and how to protect against those. And then we'll be, and then we're done for this episode. So lastly, what we want to do is talk about man in the middle attack and how to protect you from that. Again, remember the man in the middle attack that we talked about earlier are when you're at a public place, you're logging into quote unquote the uh, the public Wi-Fi, but you're not. You're plugging. You're actually going into someone else's fake identity that's then charging into the account. So be careful with it. So first place again, the easiest tip is don't use public Wi-Fi's. But if you must use a public Wi-Fi, then make sure on your computer and that you are paying for it. Freebies are great, but free will not get you protected. Use what's called a VPN. VPN stands for Virtual Private Network. And these private networks 
are peer-to-peer conversations. So even if you were on the wrong one by accident, you're going to then have the ability to have it encrypted where they can't listen to the conversation. There are tons out there. Um, Surfshark is the one that I am currently using. It's the one I'm testing out. I have tested others. I like them all. I don't see too much difference in them all, especially if you're paying for their version. They all seem to do pretty well. I like Surfshark a lot. I'll use this until I no longer like it, but I like it fine. It does really, really good. All I have to do with Surfshark is when I'm getting ready to be in a public and personal environment is turn it on. It will let me through. Now, just understand, most VPNs will slow down your speeds just a bit. Nothing that from what we do as professionals to get our business done, but it will slow things down a bit. So I like Surfshark. It seems to have least effect that way. You have Norton. So if you're using antivirus, going back to the top thing, and you want to use antivirus, Norton also has a VPN built into it as well. Not a bad solution. All-in-one type of solution. And then there's another one that I used very early on, and I did like. It was called ExpressVPN, and I think it's a good tool. Those are just a couple of those that will kind of protect you against the man-in-the-middle attack. And the last tip in here is this. Don't worry. Have tools in place that will make your business successful that will go out there. Will you? Will this completely protect you from being hacked? No, but it's going to eliminate you from being hacked. And the way I describe it is this. Some of you may be too young for this, but way back in the day when I was a kid, there was huge advertisements on the commercial for protecting your car, and it was called the club. And this device on your car was basically a metal a device that fit across your steering wheel. And it was so long past your steering wheel that no one could actually drive the car because it would always be hitting either the windshield or the floorboards or something, right? It was just long. And they described that as keeping your car safe and the most secure solution out there today. And probably then it probably was. But it really wasn't secure, right? It was really easy. People showed tips and tricks really easy how to hack it because it was a simple little lock, right? It was really easy to hack. It wasn't hard to hack. But the thing was, it was harder than the next car down. And that is what made it more secure. That's what you're doing here for you. You're making it harder so they go somewhere else. Continue to make their job harder without making your job harder. And you're going to win every day. So with that, I wish you guys the best of luck. Go find that business and we will talk to you on the next episode.